Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 48. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. If you're a new listener, welcome. If you're looking for stories on the far side of weird, you've come to the right place. If you're a writer who has work celebrating the culture of strange, check out our submission guidelines on our website, drabblecast.org, and send us your work. We also accept poems and drabbles, which are stories exactly 100 words. So, Cloverfield. Saw that yesterday. Awesome movie. We got there about 10 minutes late and discovered that for Cloverfield, that's actually about 20 minutes early. If you see this movie, you have to grit your teeth and endure an intro that has little to do with the story and takes way too long. But when it's over, it's awesome. Kind of like the Drabblecast. (laughs) Just playing. I won't go into the movie here. Anything I say would probably be a spoiler, so I'll just say you should definitely go see it. Then you should join our forums and get in on Mr. Tweety and I's discussion of the movie. You can find a link to the forums at our website. Today's Drabble story comes to us from longtime listener Keith Burnett, and it's called Death at the Bowling Alley. At first, I think my windshield must be dirty, because it looks like Death just walked out of the bowling alley and is going to the skating rink. A double take confirms the Grim Reaper is going to the skating rink. I watch him close the distance, wondering if maybe some poor kid just took a nasty fall. My eyes never leave him, until he turns his head to meet my gaze. I quickly snap my head back to the front, just in time to see my car smash into a stopped 18-wheeler. Death smiles and returns to the bowling alley. Well, there you go. There's your quasi-paradox for the day. What do you call the Grim Reaper when he smiles? Our flash piece this week is called The Destiny of Man by Drew Arentz. This work was originally published in the U.S. print magazine Futures in issue number 26. Drew is a retired psychiatrist and military flight surgeon currently living in the desert outskirts of Phoenix, Arizona. His works have been published in several European and American print magazines and e-zines, including Dark Angel Rising, Forgotten Worlds, Champagne Shivers, and Barren Worlds. So, without further ado, The Destiny of Man, by Drew Arentz. I'd like to talk to you, son, about the destiny of man. We have a few minutes left before our walk is over, so let's talk, man to man. I've meant to have this discussion with you for a long time, but, well, you know how it is. The time never seems quite right. Now, here on this beautiful spring day, the sun shining bright, and all the trees in bloom, I think that time has come. I know what they teach you in school, Bobby. But don't let anyone tell you that the human race isn't the greatest, most glorious of all Earth's creatures. Man achieved dominance of the world. We came to rule over all the animals because we had the superior mind. That superior intellect enabled us to take charge of our existence and control our destiny instead of being slaves to it. 
First we walked upright, and then we, alone of all God's creatures, developed the capacity to think abstractly on an infinite variety of subjects. We learned to make fire and to farm the land. We built tools of iron and cities of concrete and steel and became the undisputed masters of this planet. Only man has written books. Only man has built cities. Man alone can do something as simple as speaking to his fellow men. Don't let anyone tell you differently, son. We were, and we are, the highest creatures of earth. What, son? Why aren't there any birds singing in the trees? Well, they weren't allowed to return this year. As you know, those birds... Yes, they were pretty, Bobby, but please don't interrupt me while I talk. Those birds ate worms, and of course that isn't permitted anymore. Well, no, naturally the birds didn't know any better. They were only animals, after all. They couldn't reason. Only human beings can do that. What? Well, yes, of course, they can reason too. But we don't need to speak of them now. We're talking about the highest creation of Earth. Man. Human history spans hundreds of centuries, son. And what an inspiring history it is. From the glories of ancient Greece and Rome, right up through the conquest of space in the last century, man has dominated all that he could survey. This entire planet, and then all of the solar system, was his for the taking. Bobby, watch your step, son. You almost crushed that worm. Good Lord. Be more careful. Remember, they're God's creatures, too. Let's get back to man's history. We'd always suspected that we weren't the only intelligent life in the universe. So at the end of the 20th century, we sent signals into deep space, seeking other rational beings who might be out there. And then they heard us. They followed our signal directly into our solar system, and then to the third planet from the sun, our own precious Earth. And look at all the benefits they brought with them. Well, you've heard all of that in school, son. I don't need to repeat it to you now. At first, we, everybody, including your mother and I, we weren't properly appreciative. We had the effrontery to feel offended, even threatened, by their arrival. That's because they upset our naive notions of man's proper place in the cosmos. But as I've tried to stress to you, Bobby, human beings are intelligent. We, alone of all the creatures of Earth, can learn. And of course, being intelligent, we came to realize that man wasn't actually created in God's image at all. God wasn't like us. God is like them. He gave them truly supreme intellect the ability to think and reason far more than you or I ever could. That's why they were able to conquer man. That's why, my son, this is the last talk I'll ever have with you. We're coming to the end of our walk, son. All of these high officials here in the park, all of these worms, are waiting for you. You should consider yourself very honored, Bobby. Of all the children in our town, you along with a half-dozen of your schoolmates, were chosen to be their feast. You and your little friends waiting over there were individually selected to sate their hunger. Please stop it, son. Don't look at me with those horrified eyes as if I've betrayed you. 
Once the High Council has made its choice, your mother and I had no choice but to consent. It would have been unseemly if we tried to protest, and you'd have been taken anyway. You must understand, the worms really have been good to us. Their awesome knowledge has given mankind perfect health and a prolonged lifespan. When they came from the distant corners of the universe, they brought with them the cures for all of our physical and social ills, even an end to war and poverty. They've saved millions more human lives than they will ever take. As a result, we now die so infrequently that, well, unlike their primitive earthly relatives in past ages, they don't get nearly enough corpses to eat. So they must have occasional sacrifices, like you, Bobby, in order for their species to survive. And now, we must serve them. How else can man continue to fulfill his destiny as the greatest of all beings ever to spring from the earth? Well, that was our story. Hope you enjoyed it. With the hustle and bustle of everyday life, it's great when a story like that really reaches through and reminds you that the worms really have been good to us. Feedback for Drabblecast 42, 40 Quarters by Tom Williams. This one didn't generate a lot of response, which I guess can be interpreted to mean it wasn't a real hit. T. Baker said, Seems like a reworked Mr. Scrooge. The story was awfully ordinary for a Drabblecast. And Savoy thought the early parts of the story could be tightened up, but the ending was good. Philippa enjoyed the story, saying, I liked the dialogue and found the payoff very satisfying. I liked that the story had humor, poignancy, and retribution, and that by the end I had been made to really abhor the parsimonious Mr. Morley. Parsimonious. Nice. Two weeks left to write a scam-spam email for our competition, the details of which you can find on our discussion forums. There you can also register and cast a vote for any number of the stories nominated for the People's Choice Drabblecast Awards. If you enjoy the Drabblecast, and you aren't feeling too parsimonious, you can help us pay our authors and keep things going by donating to us via our PayPal link on the website. We also accept occasional sacrifices, like you, Bobby. So email us at highcouncilofelders at drabblecast.org to arrange a tribute of your firstborn. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial New Derivatives License, which means you can't change it or sell it, but you're more than welcome to share it with all of your friends. Our staff is made up of co-editors Kendall Marchman, Luke Coddington, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you to watch your step. So things didn't go well.